Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the co-founder of 10 Talents International, a ministry committed to training a new generation of workers for the master. Pastor London Lee, welcome to Upward Way. Glad to be here. Thank you. It is my joy and my honor to have you as a guest today. And I know that, well, I can promise the listeners that you are in for a treat today. As we get started, uh, London Lee, could you just share with us your journey? That is, where and when did it all begin? Well, I was raised in a faithful Seventh-day Adventist home, Christian home. But, you know, we have a great controversy and we have an enemy. And one thing that the enemy hates is he hates the home. And so even though my parents met in church, uh, they had some trauma in their background. And when they met, they fell in love. Now, what happens when you fall? Depends on uh, how high you are, you usually get hurt. And so uh, after three years of marriage, they divorced and uh, they sent me, my father was from Harlem, New York. And so they sent me to live with my grandparents. And during that time, uh, I was a California kid born in Loma Linda, you know, uh, coming to New York where it's really rough. It's very uh, segregated with the Irish over here, the Jamaicans over here, the Haitians and the Italians. And so I was bullied as a kid and uh, I was very, very traumatized, not only from the divorce, but now I'm living in a, in a strange state and now I don't have any friends. And then I was getting bullied. And I had an uncle who was a golden glove boxer and uh, he was like, no nephew of mine is going to be bullied. So he uh, taught me how to fight. But unfortunately, uh, my grandparents at the time, they had uh, many foster kids and so what he did, he called one of the foster kids over and this young kid named Leroy became my punching bag. And that really traumatized me and him. And so I just had a lot of trauma growing up. And so when I got a little bit older, my parents got divorced. I was back and forth between them. And uh, I remember this music coming out and this music was called hip hop. And it was rap at the beginning. And I remember I was not allowed to listen to rap in my home. The only time I had opportunity to listen to rap was on Friday night under the covers uh, with my Walkman. And I was sneaking, listening to the radio station. And that, that fueled a bad habit of sneaking around and, and doing uh, different things. And so the music kind of fueled my anger and my hurt, and my pain. And so even though I was going to Christian Academy, I was going to uh, Loma Linda Academy and my mom had remarried, they started a drug rehab program, but that did not stop me from going into uh, that lifestyle. You know, hip hop promotes, you know, the old adage, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So I got heavily into the drugs and 
that was just a downward spiral for me. So that that began a, a long journey. Pretty interesting. I just want to pick out something just for the younger listeners. You you mentioned being under the covers in the night listening to your Walkman. I'd been a young person be saying, what's a Walkman? So a thousand years ago, there was something called a tape player. <laughs> this is before MP3s, before any of those things. And so we actually had to listen to the radio. So when hip hop first started, rap first started, they didn't even play it on the radio, mainstream radio. And so if you wanted to, you only had one opportunity and that was usually on Friday nights. Uh, they would have a DJ playing the latest. And so that's why I was under the covers. From there, my mom, you know, she had kind of gotten fed up with fighting with me about this, that, the other. And I was continually getting in trouble. And so she sent me to live with my father in Dallas, Texas. And my father, he had remarried, had children. My younger brother and sister had an older brother, uh, two older brothers by marriage. And so that was okay. But then he got a divorce. And so now this is the second divorce in my experience. And I moved to Dallas with him. Then I got into drugs and it was just a downhill spiral. And, you know, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness and evil in high places. And the Bible also says that the dragon came down uh, having great wrath because he knows what his time is short. And he comes against the woman and the woman is the church and the remnant church. And so we should not be surprised that we as Adventists are under attack constantly. But as a young person, I didn't understand that. You know, I didn't understand what it meant to be a Seventh-day Adventist. I just remember we went to church on Sabbath and we didn't eat this. But it wasn't really until I got older and I actually had a conversion experience, which I'll share with you. I went through high school and I was in Dallas, Texas. I liken it to the prodigal son experience. You know, the prodigal son left home and I left home early after uh, my freshman year. I went and lived with a friend and that was my, my experience away from home. And just like the prodigal son, I got into a lot of riotous living, a lot of debauchery, a lot of just different things. But just like in the prodigal son, I had a pigsty experience. I was living amongst the swine, so to speak, and eating what the pigs would eat. And then I had that aha moment. That aha moment was I was heavily on drugs. Just before you get there, I, I don't usually <laughs> interrupt, but I, I just want you to, if you could contextualize what would have been maybe the impact of your, you know, your spiral on your family, maybe your friends, you know, what would have been that impact? On my parents, it was, it was huge because here they are, they run a drug rehab program. Their ministry is called Drug Alternative Program. And here it is, their son is not only on drugs, but he's a drug dealer. And so I went to Oakwood College and I was selling drugs at Oakwood. I was a menace, but I was unconverted. I was hurting. And so a lot of these things that we get into, especially young people, we get into because we're trying to medicate that pain trying to not think about the pain and the hurt and the tragedy that we're going through. And so whether it be music, whether it be sex, whether it be a career or a relationship or whatever it is, you know, it's something different for everyone. But 
for me, it was this lifestyle. And so I almost uh, overdosed. And I remember it was living in Atlanta, Georgia. And that was the real turning point. I remember I had gotten high one more time and I was going back and forth from church and, you know, just really struggling. And I remember uh, I had done some drugs and I remember I was having a, a reaction and I went home and I was fell out on my bed. And I remember looking up and just seeing this evil presence, this demon like sitting on my chest. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And I remember like, wow, how did I get from Loma Linda Academy? How did I get from a good home, you know, a home that afforded me all these different opportunities? How did I get there? And you know what? It was one choice at a time. It was one decision at a time. It was one seemingly little thing walking away from what I knew to be true. And that led me down this wide road experience. And uh, I remember I called out to God and I said, Lord, if you save me, I will give you my life for the rest of my life. And I woke up that next morning and Marlon, I was like, man, I have to do something different. I was living with a young lady. I broke up with her. I totally had a, a desire to live differently. And around that time, a friend of mine whose uh, cousin worked for the GC, he called me and said, hey, they're looking for missionaries to go overseas. And I was looking, I was thinking like, this is my opportunity to get out of this situation. And so I wanted to go to Africa because I was really big into, you know, back to Africa and black pride and all this stuff. But Africa didn't open up until like uh, December. And I knew it, man, if I, if I don't go somewhere quick, I'm not going to make it. And so guess what country opened up? I have no idea. <laughs> Japan. So Japan opened up and I remember I got rebaptized. I flew back to California, got rebaptized. And uh, a few days later, I was on the plane to Hong Kong. Think about it. Two weeks earlier, I'm smoking weed, I'm selling drugs. I was struggling with drugs and, and all this music. And so I was transplanted. Now I'm a missionary and I'm here in Hong Kong at the University of Hong Kong, the Adventist University there. I remember looking around and I'm like, man, I'm out of place. <laughs> How in the world am I a missionary in such a short time? I still had a lot of baggage, but I had committed to a year. And so from there, I went to uh, Japan and we had a, a, a training for a week. And then I ended up going to Osaka uh, Center SDA Church as an English language teacher. Sounds very exciting. And, you know, I'm happy you even mentioned that two weeks from living a certain lifestyle and now you're a missionary. Because we know the idea of, you know, would say background checks when people are right. engaging into, into anything. And I'm not going to say it was or it was not done. But the point I want to highlight is a background check always the, the, the right indicator as to a person mm. potential? based on your experience? Well, I think, yes, they definitely did do a background check. And I had a criminal record, but I believe it was God. I believe God knew what I needed. He knew that when I made that decision that night on my bed, that I was sincere. And I believe that God overrules in the affairs of men. 
And so the Bible says man looks at the outward appearance, but God, he knows the heart. And so even though, yes, I was rough around the edges, I had a lot of baggage, I had a lot of things to learn, but I was willing and I was ready to change. And I think that's the pivotal point. Is the person willing? Are they ready? Have they acknowledged their need? And are they willing to go through and work the process? Powerful stuff. And I love what you have mentioned, you know, God overrules, you know, in the affairs of humanity. As I think about it, because there are persons who are so hung up with the past that they can't see or present. They can't even understand that there's something magnificent waiting for us in the future. So again, I'm just going to put you on the spot, you know, what message would you Say to someone who has that mindset, you know, you are so hung up with a person's past that you can't see that there is a future. There is a scripture. uh, Paul is talking to the church and he says, uh, fornicators and abusers of themselves with men and drunkards and prostitutes. He goes to this long list and then he says something. And such were some of you. Sometimes we forget what God has done in our own life. Like, yeah, we might not have been uh, out in the world. We might not have been uh, like me, but, you know, pride, arrogance, selfishness, you know, these are the heart sins that no one can see, but God sees them. And he says that he hates those even more than the drunkard and the prostitute, because you, at least with the prostitute and the drug addict, you know what you're dealing with. But with pride, who can see that? With arrogance, who can see that? With envy and jealousy. And so that's why we have to let God be God. And we just need to be his instrumentality. Very succinct. Now I want to get back a little to your, I would say your missionary journey. Um, you know, right. the experience in Japan like for you? Well, when I got to Japan, uh, they sent me to Osaka and uh, I was just amazed. I'd been to a couple of foreign countries before, but you know, this one was totally different from Western culture, the language barrier, uh, the cultural barrier, everything's opposite of everything we know in Western culture. And uh, I remember it was just amazing. And, and I was really, really uh, challenged and I was really, really committed. Like, I'm gonna learn this language. I'm gonna, and I remember after the first year with the language, at least I was so frustrated. You know, oftentimes we think missionaries, we're going to go and be a blessing. We're going to go and they're going to learn this and they're going to learn that. But in my experience, over 21 years of mission work, I have learned that oftentimes we are blessed even more than the people we expect to be a blessing to. And that's what happened to me my first year. You know, I had not spent time in the word of God. I had not spent time in 10 years. And so how it is that I'm going to be a Bible teacher. So I lived an hour away from where I taught. And my mother had given me the Spirit of Prophecy, the Conflict of Ages series. And so I didn't teach until the afternoon. And so I had all morning to exercise. I remember I was exercising and coughing up phlegm from all the smoking. And, and then I would go back and I would read my Bible. And then I would read the Spirit of Prophecy. I started with uh, Patriarchs and Prophets prophets and kings. So in that one year, I read through the Conflict of Asia series, I read through the Bible, and that was my uh, seminary experience. That was my education. And 
I want to tell young people and not so young people in Job chapter 36. I'm going to read this scripture because many people come to me now. I'm a pastor and they ask me, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? What should I do about this? Job 36, 22 says, behold, God exalts by his power who teaches like him. You see, God knew what I needed. And so he taught me day by day, moment by moment. And that first year was just so amazing. It was like I was shut in with God. And I remember I was challenged by my students like, hey, what's this? Like, I don't know the answer to that, but come back and I'll go home and study the Bible and come back and try to get an answer. Now think about it. These are Buddhists. These are Shinto. They're non-believers. And I'm trying to share a faith that I, I barely know. And so it challenged me to dig deep, to get to know God for myself. And it was, it was amazing. And yes, there was challenges, there was difficulties, but through it all, God blessed me in my efforts. I will give you a chance later to even share some more of that, that, that blessing that I know God has um, laid on your heart. But, you know, it's interesting, as you mentioned, your study. You never said, I was studying um, anything scientific. You didn't say you were studying any math, but you were studying the Bible. I remember during my university years, you know, I, I, for the first time I attended, I would say, a Christian school. I, would, I attended the Adventist University. And as a part of our curriculum, we had some, let's say, some Christian courses that we had to cover which were, I would say, general courses. And I remember hearing a few of my friends or, let's say, associates complaining, you know, I'm here to, to study business. I'm here to study science. I'm here to study math. I'm here to study information technology. Why do I need to be doing so many general courses? Mm, right. Because at other universities, you know, they may study for three years. Now we are studying for four all because of this. Right. And I said to myself, you know, how I wish I had this when I was younger because I got baptized in my late teens. So I was really enjoying those general courses. And to be honest, I found those to be more beneficial to me many times than my, yeah. my own major. So right. as you spoke about studying the Bible, that was what was necessary to transform your lives. What is the importance of studying the Bible for a young person? Apart from the faith aspect, what are the benefits of studying the Bible for any young person? Well, number one, the Bible says that this is eternal life that we may know him, right? The Bible says in Job, acquaint thyself now with the Lord and be at peace. And so in this time of pandemic chaos, just total distraction, the Bible says, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Now, notice I'm quoting scriptures because I've spent time in the scriptures, but it's not information that we need. How many, you know, as Adventists, we know the Bible, right? But knowing the Bible and knowing Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior is very different. You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, it says, here are, are they that keep the commandments of God. But then it says, and have the faith of Jesus. Now, many people have faith in Jesus, but that's different than having the faith 
of Jesus. And so the Bible is, you know, I don't know if you've heard the, uh, the, the acronym, the basic instructions before leaving earth, right? The Bible, right? So if you want to know God, number one, if you want to know your relationship with God and you want to know how to not only just be a blessed, but to be a blessing, then thy word have I hid in my heart. Thy word, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy word gives light. You want to be enlightened, right? You want to be uh, wise. The Bible says in one, uh, Psalm 119, he says, he'll make you wiser than your teachers, wiser than the ancients. And so God being the source of wisdom in his love and his mercy, he's given us the word of God so that we can, he says, you have ordered my steps in your word. So for the Christian, the Bible is the, the foundation for a relationship with God. And so that's how I became a Christian. I was an Adventist before. <laughs> then I was a worldling. And then I became a Christian by studying. And not only studying, but having to teach the Bible every single day. You know, if you just, if you just eat, 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 eat all day, you're going to get diseases. You're going to get obesity. And I think that we as Adventists, we are spiritually obese. We don't share our faith as much as we should. That's kind of my passion. That's why Tim Townsend says we're, we're, we're committed to training ambassadors, those who will go out and not just evangelize, but we coined the term evangel living, living evangelistically, living for Jesus. And the Bible is the foundation of that. Praise the Lord. I feel as if I'm in church <laughs> listening to a, a sermon. So, yes, I'm just uh, picking back a bit um, as you spoke about, you know, other aspects of your journey in Japan. You spoke about your struggles with the language and overcoming and also your growth. But then you spoke about being blessed, but you did not really say, you know, how were you blessed in Japan? So I'm just going to give you a chance well, to hear the wealth of that. So, so thank you. I'm glad you asked that question. Great question. So, you know, that first year, I was just learning to love God. And after three months of being in Japan, uh, they had a missionary retreat. And so this is where all the missionaries, they were going to um, a, a place called uh, Hakone near uh, Mount Fuji. And uh, we were there and I got on the train, me and my roommate, and we were going, you know, to uh, Tokyo area. And we were walking, looking for seats, and we saw these two young ladies who were American. And so we were like, hey, how are you guys doing? You know, can we sit down and talk with you? They were like, sure. We were like, where are you guys going? They were like, we're going to a missionary retreat. And we were like, hey, we're going to the same retreat. Turns out there were, uh, was a young lady named Nikisha, and uh, she and I went to Oakwood College at the same time, knew the same people, but we never met. And I believe that was divine because if I would have met her and she would have met me, we would have never been interested in each other. And turns out that very weekend, that was on a Friday, on that Sunday, uh, the speaker was uh, Morris Vinden, the late Morris Vinden. And his wife came up to me and said, hey, London, how long are you going to be in Japan? I said, oh, I don't know, three, four years. She was like, good. Nikisha is going to make a good wife for you. Now, imagine this, this is Sunday. I met Nikisha on Friday, and this random lady 
says, Nikisha's going to make a good wife for you. I was just like, okay, whatever. She was like, I know you think grandma's crazy, but she's going to make a good wife for you. And lo and behold, uh, after that, we became prayer partners. And the Lord just opened up my eyes, opened up her eyes. And uh, we've been married now 19 years. And uh, we have two children, uh, Sayla and Anthony, uh, 14 and 12. And we have traveled over 25 countries serving the Lord. And think about it. If I would have never given my heart to God, and took that leap of faith to leave my country, to leave my familiar uh, surroundings and culture to go there, the Bible says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Bible says he'll never withhold any good thing from us, right? He says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of life. All these promises are there, and I wasn't looking for that. I was just trying to get away from my drug addiction. You know, I was trying to get away from all this stuff, but God knew that he had a gift for me. And that blessing came in uh, the form of my wife, uh, Nikisha. Amen. In terms of no, you know, I would say striking that balance because invariably as Christians, as missionaries, it doesn't matter what we decide to do, there will be challenges. So with all the hurts that you may experience, with all the disappointments, the difficulties, how do you strike that balance in your life? Well, uh, I'm going to be honest. You know, my wife, if she was here, she would tell you, do not marry somebody if you meet them in the mission field because they're not who they really are. And after we got married, all that baggage that you just heard about, it came into my marriage. And so the first three, four years, it was very, very difficult. And the only thing that kept us is before we got married, we said to each other, divorce is not an option. See, her parents were never married. My parents were married, divorced, married, divorced. And so we said, hey, if we're going to be together, divorce is not an option. Now, we might separate for a time. But and so when we took that off the table, that forced us to work through our issues. You know, we were two years uh, in Japan as a married couple. And then we came back, I got called to the ministry while I was out there. I went to Walla Walla University, it was college then. And I was in school, she went back, got her master's and, and then we started having kids and life took many different turns. But our commitment to God is why we're still together today. It wasn't our commitment to each other. <laughs> it was our commitment to God and to Christ and to his way, whatever, whatever your station is in life. You know, God wants all of us. He wants every aspect of us. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says, my son, give me thine heart. And so because I had given my heart to God and because she had given her heart to God, then when we wounded each other's heart, guess what? Who do we go to? We went to the one who had our heart. And so through the trials, through the tribulations, you have to go back to that foundation, the promises of God, the word of God, prayer, fasting, you know, prayer has been the foundation of our marriage the whole time, you know, and so that's the foundation. You know, I would give you a chance to really highlight the importance of prayer. 
it is something that we all know about. But I get the impression that there are some individuals who see prayer as kind of like an event, a big event, as opposed to, you know, a lifestyle. So for you, how do you, I would say, explain prayer in your own life? Is it a big event or is it just a lifestyle? So for me, it's, it's a lifestyle. You know, prayer is opening up to God as if he's your friend, right? And, and talking with him and dialoguing with him. And we listen to him through the word of God. So we talk to him and, you know, we're told in, in Steps to Christ that prayer doesn't bring God down to us. It lifts us up to God. That's the purpose of prayer. And so I found and we found our ministry, the success of anything that we've ever done has been bathed and saturated in prayer. And so that is another key to unlock the storehouse of heaven. There's a quote that says, Satan does not mind if we go to church. He doesn't mind if we study the Bible, but he hates the sound of fervent prayer because he knows that he is going to lose because the arm of the omnipotent God is going to say, beat it. And so if I were the devil, I would want the people of God not to pray. Go ahead and preach. Go ahead and evangelize. Go ahead do your soup kitchens, do all your ministry, but don't pray. <laughs> Powerful. Yes, it's important that we truly pray. And for my listeners, you know, if you would have listened as he just shared, it's about opening your heart to God and share. Now, just touch on, I would say, lighter things. You know, so sometimes we find ourselves thinking of God and we think that, okay, God will punish us for our unrighteous acts and he's looking to make sure we don't make any mistakes and if we make it he says aha i caught you but what has been your experience of god in terms of god having a sense of humor you know sometimes we have some we, we think about it we say wow we just laugh about it what has been your experience of god you know with that sense of humor side to him you know humor is based in reality right the funniest comedians the funniest people it's because you can identify with what they're saying. I think that the more we get to know God in his personality, and as we learn to hear that still small voice, the Bible says you hear a voice saying, this is the way walk you. I can give you an experience. Before COVID, we were on the road for three years straight, my family and I, traveling state to state, town by town. Uh, you know, We have two children and we were always looking for a church to go to. And we wanted a church that had children. And so I looked up, we were in uh, Texas and I was looking for a church and I saw this church and it was all gray hair. And I was like, that's the church I'm not going to go to. Both of the churches that I was looking at were an hour and a half away. And so the Lord was like, I want you to go to that church. And I was like, no, I'm not going to that church, you know? And I'm literally arguing with God in my devotion. Everybody gets dressed. We get in the car, we're on our way. And God's like, go to the church. And, you know, he won't let you go. And so finally, I literally, in the middle of the road, was like, okay, I'm going to go. And my wife is like, who are you talking to? <laughs> and so I turn around. We go to this church. Sure enough, we get there. And it is full of our hoary heads, right? And I was like, man, this is why I didn't want to come here. Small little church, right? The pastor shows up. The pastor has 
eight children. <laughs> he had eight children and like five of them were my kid's age. Turns out that he needed somebody to preach for him the next week and no, he couldn't find anybody. And then I was able to preach for him. Then, I, you know, all these circumstances happened and I just had to laugh and like, you know what, Lord, you knew this all along. He was like, yes, my son. And so God lets us make decisions. And so I would have missed out. We would have missed out on not only being a blessing, but being blessed. And so submission is really about saying, okay, Lord, you know, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust you anyway. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, if you want an adventurous life, if you want a life of nonstop adventure, then you put all your trust in Jesus and you live for him 100%, you will never have a dull moment. I promise you. It's a statement coming from the horse's mouth. His life has been one of nonstop thrills and adventure. So if he tells that to you, then there's no doubt. You know, we have a, a proverb or a statement uh, back home that says, you know, if uh, let's say a fish comes from the bottom of the ocean and tells you that there's a shark down there, then you don't need to, to doubt. So I take your word for it. Now, in a conversation with someone, and that would have been your experience in Japan as well, who has never heard about God, what would you tell that person about God from your own experience? So in other words, you know, who is God for London? I wouldn't tell them anything. I would live my life in such a way that they would ask me, why do you live this way? You see, the, the gospel is an experience, right? It's an experience. And so just like living in Japan, I could tell you all about Japan. But guess what? Unless you've been there and experienced it, you could tell me all about Jamaica, right? But I, I've never been to Jamaica. You could tell me about the beautiful, you know, sandy beaches and all of this and, and the mangoes and the cassavas and all. But guess what? Unless I've, I've experienced it myself, I have no frame of reference. And so oftentimes we're trying to talk to people who are secular Greek, right? in their mind, and we're coming from a biblical worldview, and they have no frame of reference, right? And so that's why we have to live in such a way. Think about Daniel. Think about Joseph. It says there was a different spirit within them. So the way they lived their lives was, was their testimony, was their message, was their mission. And so people were interested Hey, why do you pray three times a day? Hey, why don't you go to church on Sunday? Or hey, why don't you eat this? Or why do you wear this? And so when you live a peculiar life, not strange, but peculiar, right? Then it piques people's curiosity. And then when they ask you, now you have freedom to speak. I love the way you put it. It's not about we going to tell, but just live and then they will want to seek, they will want to find answers. I think right now in your country, it's the season where we have Thanksgiving, right? Or right. We're looking forward to Thanksgiving. So if you could give God thanks for even one person that you have met in your life, you know, who that person be and also why? You know, I, I would say it would have to be my wife. 
it would have to be my wife because um, we have learned to love in such a way and to live in such a way and to to lead and to to serve that would be the person outside of my parents who have had the most impact on my life. You know, I have so many people that we've met. I'll, I'll give you an example. We went back to Japan about seven years ago, and we were able uh, to go back and to, to visit some of our old students, some of our old uh, pastors and, and people who we had done ministry with, friends. And I would say those are the people that had the most impact on me in my Christian journey. You know, think about it. I was, I was rough around the edges. I was, <laughs> I, I was a mess, but yet they were kind. They were patient. Another place, when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, the first church I went back to, I was still smoking weed, still had dreadlocks and piercings and saggy pants. And they, they said, hey, I came in. And they were like, hey, you want to help us uh, uh, as an usher? And I was like, really? And these are the people who didn't look at the external, but they were willing to say, you know what? Let's put them to work. You know, hey, will you take up the offering? I was like, you sure you want me taking up the offering? <laughs> you know, and, and these are the people that gave me opportunity. And I think that especially for young people and not so young people, going to church every week is great. But if you want to thrive, not just survive in your Christian experience, service is the way to go. If you're not serving, if we're not serving, Jesus said, I came not to be ministered to, but to minister, right? And ministry is self-sacrificing love. The Bible says, they will know you're my disciples by your love. And love is an action. Love is a verb. And so as we learn to love, as we learn to live, as we learn to lead by example, then people will be interested. And I would say there are many people that have poured into me, and that's why I'm so passionate about pouring into other people. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. There are persons, as you spoke about, you know, there are many persons of faith and they struggle, as all of us do, to actually maintain the faith. And sometimes they become so discouraged with their experience that mm you know, they seek to throw in the towel and they will walk away from the faith. In your own experience, you know, what are some of the reasons that persons just, I would say, give up on their walk with God? Oftentimes I've found that people give up on the church and not giving up on God. I think that many people have been taught a religion without a relationship. And so Many people, and I, I know a lot of young people, because primarily I've been working with young people my whole ministry, and a lot of young people have walked away from the church, but yet they say, hey, I still believe in God. You know, I might not go to church. I might not do this. And I think that the difficulties is because the great controversy is fought in relationship. Let's put it that way. You know, the church is supposed to be a place of healing, of hope, of inspiration, of being challenged, but also being inspired. And, and there's supposed to be this unity in the community. But uh, we, we are not seeing that. I was talking with somebody recently, and they were saying, I think church as we know it has run its course. And now the church has to hit the streets. Because when they shut down the churches, was the church closed? Because the church is not the building. The church is the people. He says, you are the temple of God. 
And so I believe God's allowed this uh, pandemic to wake us up and to say, hey, remember Daniel? Hey, remember Revelation? Hey, remember the stuff that you've been preaching for years and years and years? Now it's front page news every single day. You know that man of sin that you've been telling the world about? Guess what? Do you see what he's doing? Hey, did you know that Christ is in the most holy place and he's about to leave? You know, all these things that we know, there's a preparation. And, and that's what our ministry is focused on, is helping people get prepared. First, as a family, we're a family in ministry. So our focus is helping family. You know, the family's under attack. You know, and that's why, you know, my wife and I, we, we met, we got married, came back to the States, went to school. Then I pastored for, for several years. And that wasn't for me. Then I went, I became a Bible worker. I did that for several years. Then I went into teaching, uh, did that for several years. And, and always every year taking a mission trip, going here, going there and just serving that that's the lifeblood of any christian experience and and so we want to equip and train people to be able to serve in practical ways and so uh, we have some resources i can i can tell you about uh, later that if people are interested in getting this training no matter where you're at we have an online school where we have uh, many classes that are available for people to take I don't know if that answers your question, but it has. And and just before I give you a chance to share, you know, how persons can get in contact in ministry, we are always thinking of, you know, what else, what what next, how can I add? I'm gonna ask it as if you're not doing anything, you know, for Christ. So what is one thing that you feel that God is inviting you to do right now? If you could start or if you could add an element to, to ministry, you know, what would that be? And also who would that serve? For years, I've been wanting to minister to our first day brethren in the Sunday churches. And so in the last six months, God has opened up opportunities for me to, to minister uh, in a Baptist church. Uh, last night, I went to a non-denominational church and the pastor texted me like, hey, I'm excited. You know, I'd like to have coffee with you. And so one ministry that I see or one opportunity that I see is with our other Christian. You know, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Them too, I must call. And going into these worship environments and going into these churches and seeing their love for God, but also seeing their lack of biblical uh, insight. And I'm like, man, Lord, if they only knew, but guess what? What they have, they're all in. And so I challenge myself as a, a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, right? Like with what I have, am I all in? Am I giving 100% with what I have? Because the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so this has also helped me to see God differently because you know, obviously they worship differently. Obviously they believe differently. But as I'm listening to them in their prayers, in their worship, and just listening, I can say, Lord, if they were to know what we know, <laughs> if they were to know who we know, the way we have the opportunity, the Bible says, let no man take your crown. And so I, that's a ministry. That's an opportunity that I am interested in exploring and God is opening up doors with neighbors and 
and so many different other Christian fellowships where I'm able to uh, minister to them, to serve them, to share with them. Two so far have asked me, I was working out with a young man. He said, hey, I got a question for you. And I was like, what? He was like, are you going to church today? It was a Sunday. I said, no, I'm not going to church. He was like, well, what do you think about the seventh day Sabbath? I was like, my mouth dropped open. I was like, this is like my first week at this Baptist church, right? And I'm like, uh-oh, what do I say? And I said, what do you think? And he was like, well, the Bible says it's the seventh day, Saturday. And so I was just like, wow, praise the Lord. So guess what? We spent two and a half months studying the word of God. We go door to door. I met a, another man. He said, you know, he had been keeping the Sabbath for 15 years, right? And so there are people, my point is God is waking people up. And where are the Daniels? Where are the Esther? Where are the Elijahs? Where are the Peters? Where's the church in this time of unprecedented, unparalleled opportunity to share the three angels message, to share the everlasting gospel? So if you're listening to this, my appeal to you would be to get out of the pew, right? You want to grow, you want to know, you, you're skeptical, go and start serving someone somewhere. Right? You don't have to preach. You don't have to teach. Just live in such a way that, hey, I'm just going to love the way Jesus loved. And as you do that, guess what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says uh, not only the hearers of the word, but what? The doers of the word will be saved. So that's my passion is that, hey, if you want to grow in your faith, go serve somebody else. Start with whatever you know. If it's just John 3.16, share that. Yes, it's about serving. And that was the message Christ passed on to his disciples when he bowed down to wash their feet that night in the upper room, that it's about service. There's something that struck me as I listened to you recount, and it has to do with a testimony I heard from uh, Chaplain Barablack. When mm. interviewer asked him, you know, you are working with senators, you are working with persons who are part of government. How is it for you interacting with them? And he said, you know, among some of these senators and government leaders, I find more faith than I expect. Mm. Because he says, some of these senators are also chaplains. As Christ said, are the sheep I have which are not of this fold. Following Christ's narrative, you know, saving the best <laughs> for last, you know, he, he served the best wine at the end of the wedding ceremony. We have been talking about your ministry, but I didn't get a chance to, well, I didn't give you an opportunity rather for you to tell the listeners what is 10 Talents International all about. Yes, you outlined uh, bits and pieces, but what is this ministry totally about? And then after, you could also share how persons can actually get in touch with you. Maybe. Okay. So 10 Talents, it's based on the parable of the talents. And, you know, one got 10, one got five, one got one. It's about multiplication. It's not about burying your talent. Every person has been given a talent. Whatever your talents, whatever your gifts, whatever your abilities are. And, you know, oftentimes people say, well, that's not my gift. That's not my calling. I always ask them, what is your gift? What is your calling? And what are you doing with that? And so you might not be a preacher, a teacher, but whatever you do, whatever gifts, you might be an artist. I'm an artist, right? You might play, be a musician. You might be a, a cook, a chef. You might be a janitor. 
It doesn't matter what it is, but our passion, our mission is to equip and train a generation of common everyday people who have fallen in love with Jesus to equip them, train them, empower them to share Jesus however he inspires them to do that. And we do that through different things. You know, mainly right now, uh, we have this, uh, if you want to uh, check out our website, it's ten-talents.org. Uh, there are uh, some sermons on there. Also, we have another website. It's uh, uh, 10timeswiser.com. And this is where we have classes. So I have a, a, a series on there, a class. And this is, these are classes, not sermons, but classes. And it's called uh, the Master's Class Challenge. And uh, we go through the life of Christ and how he chose the disciples, who he chose, what was their uh, mission, what was Christ's method, and what was his message. Because oftentimes we don't know his mission, so therefore we don't know his methods, and so we, we mess up how we give the message. And so there's that. There's another leadership training on there uh, based on the book of Nehemiah. There's stuff on health. There's stuff for children. There's stuff on how to monetize your skills. And we're partnering with other Adventist creators and professionals. And that's 10timeswiser.com. Also, you could go check us out on uh, YouTube. We're on Facebook, Instagram, all the, the social media. And one thing I want to tell you, a free resource for you all. If you go to American Christian Ministries uh, on your app, whether it be the Play Store or the Apple Store, there is an app there. And it's American Christian Ministries. It used to be American Cassette Ministry. Basically, this is the grandpappy of Audioverse. And they have over 7,500 sermons from Bachelor when he was young, Finley when he was young, C.D. Brooks, you name it. The pioneers, these modern pioneers. If you want some good, powerful preaching, teaching classes, uh, HMS Richard Sr., they're there for free. So you can follow them also on American Christian Ministries, on Instagram, and on Facebook. We're just here to, to equip and to serve however we can. And so if you want to support our ministry, you can go to our website. We're just here to serve the people. Just for the 10 times wiser, if you could just uh, outline exactly, is it 10 in numerical form or 10 as in T-E-N? <laughs> uh, it's T-E-N times wiser.com. Yeah, T-E-N, 10 times wiser.com. Yes, so that is T-E-N, T-I-M-E-S-W-I-S-E-R dot com, 10 times wiser dot com. You know, we just want to serve. That's our main thing in this uh, pandemic time where there's a lot of people shut down. Uh, a lot of churches are still shut down and people are isolated. And so we just want to be able to serve people where they're at. And so we do... Uh, many different things, but primarily we just want to serve the people through uh, online media. You know, we also do church trainings. You know, we do uh, revivals, we do evangelistic series, we do many different things. And so if you're interested, uh, you can contact us at our website or you could email me. It's uh, London, L-O-N-D-O-N at T-E-N-Talents. Dot org. So it's London at 10-talents.org. If you're uh, interested in a week of prayer, or evangelistic series, or anything like that, we would be uh, ready and willing to, to help with. Well, I, I can see that I will <laughs> take you up 
on that offer. My guest today is Pastor London Lee. As he has just outlined, he is a co-founder of 10 Talents International, which is a ministry committed to training a new generation of workers for the master. But just before we go, um, Pastor Lee, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? I want to share with you uh, a word of encouragement. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, you know, oftentimes we've traveled and we've come in contact with many of our people and many of our Adventist people struggle with assurance. And I want to share this verse with you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus. Him is the Father, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So notice this text says, God has made Jesus to be our wisdom. So if you lack wisdom, go to Jesus. He says, God has made Jesus to be our righteousness. Hey, if you lack righteousness, go to Jesus. He said, God has made him to be your sanctification. You need sanctification? Go to Jesus. He says, he is also our redemption. Guess what? If you need redemption, go to Jesus. That we might glorify God. You want to glorify God? Go to Jesus and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. You've been in tuned to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. You can subscribe to weekly episodes on Apple, Spotify, Listen Notes, and Podcast Guru, or go to the App Store and download the AWR app. You're also welcome to visit our Facebook page, click like, and leave a comment. Until then, I am Marlon Walter saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.